Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Duda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michael Hasselberg, Chief Digital Health Officer at University of Rochester Medicine. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Laura. Really, really excited to have today's conversation with you. Absolutely, and I am excited to speak with you as well because I know you're doing so much at the University of Rochester Medicine really around connecting with your teams and how technology and leveraging technology can be helpful for patients as well as your clinicians and team members in general. So I'm excited to dive into that discussion, but before we dive into that, um, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure, yeah. Uh, Michael Hasselberg. I'm a, I'm a nurse by clinical training who went on to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner and started my career as a, as a nurse practitioner in rural New York State, where I was the only psychiatric provider for about six counties, so really got passionate about healthcare disparities, specifically in rural communities, which I think continues to influence my career and, and is the driver of what my why is and why I do what I do. Ended up going on to school, uh, finishing my, my PhD, um, and then ended up getting a business background after that. You know, my, my claim to fame very early in my career was developing a statewide telemedicine program before telemedicine was a, a cool thing or, or even reimbursed. Um, moved from telemedicine into innovation and started thinking about how could we leverage technologies that didn't require the need for a provider on the other end to deliver care. So moved into the world of mobile apps and VR and AR and then started learning about uh, machine learning and um, then this thing called COVID that we all experience uh, uh, hit the world and my health system, like every health system in the country, uh, had to turn on telemedicine overnight and I got tapped on the shoulder to help lead that effort for my health system. And then six months uh, into COVID, we realized this, this wasn't going away and we had to digitalize everything uh, in our health system, but we didn't have a way of prioritizing what we were doing and because we didn't have a digital transformation strategy. And I, I got put into my current role of chief digital health officer to help develop that strategy and help prioritize our efforts. And so, you know, currently my role is, is really split into two different directions. One on that strategy side around digital transformation, but I also also have the opportunity to co-lead our innovation arm of our health system where we develop new frontier technologies, but we also work with the venture world and partner with early stage startup companies and onboard those technologies into our health system. So I always joke and say, I feel like I've got the coolest uh, job in the world and, and I love what I do. Oh, I love that. I, I think it just definitely sounds like you've carved out a really neat niche for yourself and something that from the beginning, thinking through where you started with telehealth and, and building that statewide network and then how that has come full circle, I can imagine, um, during the pandemic just must have been really gratifying to see your expertise really being necessary and you being able to be on the forefront of some of those initiatives. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's good to see you know the benefits that telemedicine was able to provide during the pandemic, especially for some of our most underserved and, and vulnerable patient populations. And it was also really good to see um, providers and payers starting to come around to this technology and supporting it and pushing it forward. So, you know, telemedicine is is definitely uh, here to stay. And um, I think it was just kind of the, the tipping point of, you know, the, the introduction of technologies uh, into um, what we do as uh, healthcare organizations. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, with that in mind, what opportunities do you see as really being important or crucial for University of Rochester Medicine to move forward with this digital transformation? And then what headwinds as well do you have your eye on right now? Yeah, you know, when when COVID first hit, you know, our priority as a health system, like, again, probably most health systems in the country, were focused on the patient. So, you know, when I say that, it was really focused on how do we keep the patient continuously having access to healthcare, but doing it outside of our hospital and clinic walls. So how do we meet them in our homes? And so, you know, we spent a lot of efforts early in the pandemic setting up our digital front door and online scheduling and on-demand telemedicine and e-check-in and all of uh, um, those types of initiatives. And, and, you know, once we were successfully doing that, we had to kind of figure out how do we keep our patients engaged with our clinicians using technology? Not only engaged in healthcare services with us at UR Medicine, but also engaged in health promotion in general. And, you know, we started down that road and we've been kind of working on that over the last year. But to, to, to be frank, Laura, we, we've had a pivot. And, you know, where our efforts now are focused on or, or is, is the other side of, of, of the healthcare value chain, where we've moved from the patients now really focusing our efforts on our clinicians. You know, I think our biggest burning need right now is our workforce. Uh, you know, like most places in the country, we have a high nursing vacancy rate. Um, and our clinical providers, our physicians, our nurse practitioners, our physician assistants, you know, they're right on the, the edge of being burnt out, if not already being burnt out. And so, you know, our efforts, my efforts have been focused on how do we use technologies to start taking off the load from our clinicians? And how do we give them back time, not only time so they can spend more of it with the actual patient and not in the electronic health record, but like how do we also get them time where they can finish their day um, at, at a decent hour and then be able to get and go home and spend it with their loved ones and not being focused on work. And so they're really right now, you know, I have a, a narrow focus and really pushing my teams to really think about the clinician side of uh, um, that value chain. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and it's really interesting to hear you talk through the evolution of where your team's been focused and now, you know, what some of the opportunities are to really help support clinicians and the rest of the workforce. How do you think uh, along those lines that you're able to grow and develop those programs? What do you have planned and, you know, how are they adding value to the organization? How do you measure that and really just see the fruits of, of your labor? 
Yeah. So, you know, started again, my career in telemedicine and one of the biggest wins on the patient access side was our on-demand telemedicine service line. But that's also been one of our biggest wins for our clinical provider team, especially in primary care and urgent care, where we have a significant need for providers. Just having the flexibility that Two days a week, I'm working on site seeing patients, and three days a week, I can work from the comfort of my own home seeing patients. That increased flexibility right there was a huge win. And it's our service line that's, you know, probably growing the fastest, not only with patients in our markets, but you know, our, our clinicians, we're having no problem recruiting onto that service line and our clinicians are just voicing how much they love it. You know, moving on from kind of telemedicine and those technologies, I'm most excited. Probably what the rest of the world is most excited about right now is the significant and rapid advancements that we're seeing in generative AI and large language models. You know, I am convinced that these advancements are not going to replace our clinicians, but are going to prevent our clinicians from leaving the profession altogether. So I see so many opportunities and where we're doing a lot of investigation in now is how can we leverage things like ambient voice speech recognition? How can we leverage things like computer vision and using the sensors and cameras that we already have in our hospitals and clinics to start automating things uh, on our clinicians' plates that they don't enjoy doing things like prior authorizations and insurance denials and some of that busy work that, you know, quite frankly, we can have a computer do that work. Um, so we're spending a lot of effort understanding these models and where these models are going and where do they have a role on the healthcare side. Got it. Wow, that's so interesting to to think about, and really, especially, I know artificial intelligence is the top on the top of many people's tongues right now. And like you said, trying to figure out where it makes the most sense and can really be beneficial and supportive of, of the efforts within the health system. So it's great to hear that that's something that you're looking into and trying to figure out. Now, I know that healthcare resources are always precious, but especially now um, with some of the challenges financially across the board, and, and then it was, we have already talked about workforce issues and, and a lot of organizations experiencing shortages. So from your perspective, and given some of these challenges, what do you see as being a risk or investment that's still worth making this year? You know, I think the biggest risk or investment that traditional health systems like mine need to make is really start thinking outside the box. And when I, when I say that, you know, it's really thinking about new potential partners with the health system because, you know, we're not going to double our workforce over time, you know, like overnight, you know, and we're not going to have a whole new cash flow coming into what we do. And so, you know, thinking about the other kind of new entrants into healthcare, like retail, which we're seeing with Walmart and Dollar General and CBS and Best Buy and these others that, you know, uh, are moving into the healthcare space. Are there opportunities as a traditional incumbent to partner with these retailers? Same thing it goes for industry with the Amazons, the, the Microsofts, the Googles, the Apples of the world who are investing heavily in, in healthcare. You know, can we 
partner uh, and make investments uh, together uh, with with those companies. At the same time, you know, I think there is, is significant opportunity on, you know, the venture side. Um, you know, we're, we, we did see a, a down market uh, over the, the last year um, and the VC side with, with digital health. But I think that that's going to change uh, uh, going into 2024. And, and, and I think we're, we're already starting to see almost a, a gold rush uh, of investments in generative AI, similar to the investments we were seeing in late 2020, early 2021, um, with just digital health in general um, on the investment side. So as a traditional health system, where are there opportunities for us to participate on, on this type of investment side? And we're already working with a lot of, of these digital health uh, startup companies. We're embracing them. We're putting our arms around them and, and providing a lot of value to these companies when they work with us. And then if they're successful with us, oftentimes they go out and grow and work with other health systems and become very, very successful. So you know, why can't we as a health system potentially participate in the financial upside of those types of investments? And so for, for my health system, these are types of things that I'm working about is where can we make investments in other verticals, other industries that are moving into healthcare? You know, where can we make partnerships? In some ways, that is a risk because it's outside of what we traditionally do, the way we traditionally think, the way we traditionally, you know, make our margins and revenues is not kind of thinking outside of our lane. And so that is kind of the, the investment risk that, that I'm thinking about. That's so fascinating to hear. And absolutely, it sounds like, you know, you've got a great head start in terms of trying to think innovatively and, and try to do something a little bit different. What is that process like when you decide that you're going to look outside of the traditional healthcare spaces and revenue streams to make investments, whether it's digital health startups or other types of partnerships? You know, how do you, I guess, set up a, a team uh, to do that and, and just really effectively decide where you're going to allocate those resources? Yeah, one of the things that we're really lucky to have um, at the University of Rochester, and I've, I've talked about this before on other podcasts, and what, what really kind of excites me and keeps me here is we're an academic health system that is still fully integrated into its parent university. And that's really unique. You know, most academic health systems, the health system side has split off from the university and they just, they, they stay affiliated with the university, but they have a separate budget from uh, the, the university side of business. We've made a conscious decision at Rochester not to split off. And so, you know, on that uh, kind of lens, you know, our health system has access to the business school faculty. We have access to the engineering school faculty, the computer science department faculty, the data science uh, department faculty. And, and they're all thinking kind of through the lens of, you know, how do we support the health system? How do we move the health system forward? And so, you know, I really lean on my colleagues and, and kind of the non-healthcare faculty schools uh, like the business school like the engineering school, like the computer science department and data science departments to kind of uh, evaluate the, the, the companies that, that we decide that we may want to work with or other industry partners and, and really get to kind of lean on the brilliance uh, over on, 
on the on the on the college campus. And so one of the things again that makes us unique and getting back to kind of my innovation role, you know, I actually have um, the, the opportunity to work in an innovation incubator funded by the university, where under one roof, I have faculty from all of the schools at the University of Rochester under the same roof as medical uh, uh, physicians, nurses, physical therapists, and we get to kind of take this design thinking approach together around who we want to work with, um, you know, when do we want to develop our own solutions ourselves. Um, so it's, it's really unique to us and it, it in some ways I think makes us special. I love that and you know definitely so helpful to know and think through as I'm sure a lot of organizations are trying to build these types of programs and really understand how they can work in a non-traditional sense or with some of these new emerging entrants um, to, to create value within their communities. Now before we wrap up our conversation I just have one more question for you. How are you thinking about growth in the future? What do you really see as being an imperative for you and your team? Oh boy, you know, that's a tough one because I, I think the future is going to look very different three months from now, six months from now, uh, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now. The technology advancements, especially in the AI side, is just moving so fast that, you know, I think healthcare is just going to look like a shell of itself now. And so from a growth standpoint, you know, getting back to where we were earlier in the discussion, we have just so much effort around, you know, how can we leverage these um, generative AI models, these large language models to, um, you know, totally disrupt um, the way our, our health system uh, delivers care and again, supports our providers. So like, I don't even know if I can give you an answer to, you know, where I see the potential growth uh, <laughs> in the future, because, you know, it's, it's just all moving so fast. And, um, you know, I'm convinced, I am, I am convinced that you know, for example, the electronic health record, I'm going to be the, uh, one of the first to jump out there and say, there may not be an electronic health record in the future. So like the large language models are at that level, uh, yeah, at the current point that, you know, we could probably get rid of the, the electronic health record uh, potentially in the future, which would then make the opportunities for delivering healthcare look very different and the ability to grow, you know, also look very different. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably didn't answer your question well, uh, Laura, but uh, I, I just don't have a good answer, I think, just given where the tech side of things is, is moving. Absolutely. And I think that's a really great point, because I know, as you mentioned, artificial intelligence, it seems like every single day there's a, a new application or, or a new um, advancement that, you know, is really going to uh, help the industry in, in organizations leaps and bounds potentially in the future. Um, when you look at, you know, how fast things are moving right now, is there anything that you, you know, have to do with your teams or your particular role to make sure that you can stay ahead of the curve in the future and really harness some of this fast, fast changing technology um, for the betterment of the organization? Or are you able to really leverage your team currently and, and just, you know, keep an eye on how things are moving and changing and evolving? 
You know, I, I think there, it's requiring a lot of culture change, um, you know, uh, yeah, a culture change on our clinician um, lens, uh, you know, potentially having a virtual AI assistant working next to you around giving you insights or taking away some of the, auto, uh, you know, administrative uh, automation tasks, uh, you know, that's totally uh, uh, out of the norm for for a lot of our clinicians. So kind of working on, on that culture change, but I, I would actually argue that our clinicians uh, are, are excited about this. You know, I had, um, I, you know, we introduced ambient voice uh, documentation uh, to uh, our surgical teams in orthopedics. And we had an orthopedic surgeon when we introduced this technology, break down in tears because she was so excited about how this was going to help um, her own personal wellness and and make her more efficient. So on the clinical side, you know, we, we have some culture change, but I think, you know, when folks see the opportunities, they get really excited. Now, on the privacy security side, you know, there is a lot that we need to learn. And so, you know, we're working really closely with our privacy officer and, you know, security team to understand, you know, how do we keep um, data safe, our patients' data safe, um, uh, you know, and, and how do we kind of integrate this technology in a HIPAA-compliant way into our our operational and clinical workflows. And so a lot of a lot of work still to be had on that side, you know, as a lot of this technology isn't regulated yet by government bodies and government bodies are still trying to figure out how and who's supposed to regulate it. So we're, I think, as a health system, learning along with it. Um, so, you know, those are kind of my, my two thoughts, you know, around change management, you know, continuing to work with our clinicians on that, but then working with our IT partners and security and privacy to make sure we do it in a way that's safe for everybody. Got it. That makes sense. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and interesting conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Lara, for having me. It's a lot of fun.